The Velvet Hammer, an inside look at trial lawyer life with Karen Kohler. Real life stories about fighting the good fight. Well, I went through a breakup this past week and I thought I'd talk about that. Uh, In particular, what that means for a lawyer (laughs) to have something bad happen involving your personal life but yet still needing to work as much as you do and focus. So when um, I was younger, I would watch my friends, well, actually my whole life, I've watched people deal with loss and that's my career. Um, But there are different levels of loss and one of the early levels of loss that I noticed or was with where, where when people would have a relationship that would fail, um, we're talking about really not so much in grade school, but junior high, high school, etc. And as a child of the sixties, of course, with different gender roles and expectations way back then, most of what I saw was related to females, although sometimes males, And it was a more, I don't know, it was the sign of the times, let's put it that way. Um, So from this perspective of my girlfriends or other women that would, who were girls at the time, uh, lose a boyfriend, and it could be a boyfriend of a week or a boyfriend of a couple months or, you know, a boyfriend of a longer period of time, I kind of observed a general falling apart of the person. And that was fine, but my little analytical, logical mind didn't like uh, what would happen when the person could not get themselves back together. I I saw it as a weakness. I would watch people really just crumble and then go on to do really dumb or bad things. so let's move out of high school, even just going into college or, you know, in the 20s. The most common thing that I would see when someone would break up would, would be for them to not be able to deal with the loss and want to immediately get into another relationship and then perpetuate a cycle of bad relationships, never processing things and just running so that they could be in another relationship. I also saw a lot of uh, depression and self-flagellation or second-guessing an insecurity that would happen where the person, and this is male or female or whatever, um, could not function anymore and their job would be in jeopardy or their family would be in jeopardy. And so when I raised my children, I used to tell them, look, well, first of all, I told them don't date until you're at least 16 because when you're younger, you just, you just aren't emotionally ready for it. But as they were older, I would talk to them, at least trying to, trying to talk to them or show them through example, which I'll tell you about in a little bit, um, of continuing to be able to do everything else that you have to do so that you're not sacrificing a career goal, for example, or a life need or you know, part of your destiny of what you hope would be your destiny because you are on the floor prostate and unable to function 
because of quote unquote, some boy. Now, this was a stuck up attitude of mine. I thought you could just put mind over matter. And I viewed the follow up of a failed relationship um, as being icky because, you know, the person would be weak and vulnerable and couldn't function and, and uh, no man should be worthwhile for that. Well, in real life, uh, I did have breakups. Some of them were terrible. <laughs> Some, we'll talk about that one day. I'm gonna, um, we're going to do a dating while lawyer or dating while lawyer series and go into some of the examples, which, you know, there's so many. Uh, but my first worst uh, giantist breakup, uh, well, let's not go to that one since that's my marriage. But my first big breakup, oh my God, how do I even find out which one's my first big breakup? One that impacted me the most, how about that, was with my breakup of Stevie, who was then Steven, who was my uh, boyfriend last year of college, first year of law school. And when we broke up, we were actually sharing a house with some other people together. And uh, I was in law school, and when we broke up, I had to you know, move out, and, and, and it was you know, pretty disruptive in the middle of law school. I really did um, love him dearly and was not doing great um, when we broke up. However, I was in my first year of law school. We all know what first year of law school is like. Um, it's, it's not a walk in the park. I never um, had a, can blame any of my grades upon the fact that I was broken up, even though it was um, a devastating for me to have a, a breakup at that time. So even though I was stuck up about um, watching people crumble and saying that'll never happen to me, I was crumbling. But in fact, the bad things about work or in this case, law school didn't happen to me because I was able to segment myself from that leap, that grief and the, and the sorrow, and get my work done. So I, by nature, am a compartmentalized person. And this is a very good quality to have as a trial lawyer. Um, and I say this because if you can't put things away and they're nagging in your brain or they're taking over your life, you can't function and do the job you need to do, um, which is involves every ounce of your uh, focus, energy, and being. So in this case, I did what I typically do uh, when encountering a bad thing. And I'm talking about any bad thing in my life, this is what I do so that I can keep being a trial lawyer. I almost never have to take time off uh, when something bad happens, the exception so far, um, there's only been one exception. That's when my mother died. And I uh, took off several days. But I wouldn't have if I was in trial. Maybe I'd have to take off a day. Um, but I, I, here's, how, here's how it goes for me. Now, it doesn't work for everybody, but I'm going to tell you how it works for me. And then we're going to talk about this a little bit. For me, um, I put whatever I'm going through up on the top shelf of the cabinet in part of my brain and close the door. 
um, the door is going to want to open because that little that stuff in there is going to be pushing on the door wanting to open it. But I'm going to keep the door closed until I can open it again. Um, so in that case, with my old boyfriend in law school, I was able to keep it up there uh, so that I didn't have to think about it during class. Um, and then to the extent I did homework, but then as soon as that was over with, then the door would open, crack open, and it would impact me all the rest of the time. So couldn't sleep very well, didn't eat. I'm an anti-anxiety eater. If I'm really anxious, um, grief stricken, whatever, I can't eat. Um, there's two kinds of people, I think people that people that need intake and people that expel it. And for me, I just, my stomach becomes big, big knot ish and I can't and don't want to eat. Um, so that happened back then. That strategy has continued to this very day. So let's talk about the latest, not greatest breakup. It happened when I was in New York and I learned that my boyfriend of four and a half years and I were not going to be together. That's to put it mildly. And as a 60 year old person, you'd think, oh my gosh, 50, well, 45 years have passed since I first had a boyfriend, almost. And maybe your response is different. Well, no, it really isn't. It's maybe a little bit different because I've gotten better even at compartmentalizing because of what happened when I got divorced. So what happened was I felt very sick to my stomach. Um, um, and uh, paced a lot, um, processed a lot, um, wrote it out, which is a new thing for me, although not really. I used to just write letters. Now I write out it in a blog format. Um, I was only going to give it to my family since they all knew him and we'd been together for so long. But ultimately, I decided I wanted to post it, um, as I do on most of my blogs, because my platform is Lawyers Are Real People Too. And it shows people, whether it's good or bad, that we are real people too. And it also was meant to free me um, of the stigma of humiliation that I felt when I learned how we, how we were going to be broken up. Um, that is cathartic for me. So everybody has their different ways of processing stuff. For me, it's writing it and making sure that it's not a secret. I hate secrets. Um, they're not something that I do well. I, and in fact, I don't do them. I don't want them to have power over me. I don't want to think about them. I don't want to have people worry, you know, to worry that people will find out about them. I don't want to have to um, have them gnawing uh, on me and not being able to share it. So for me, day one was shock. Denial for about two seconds and then shock. Uh, but I was immediately talking to my friends and surrounded by, uh, and family and surrounded by love. Uh, immediately. So that, that is something different that I've learned over the decades is don't, don't wallow in it alone by yourself. Get it out immediately. For me, that works. Um, because I, I decline to be defined by what someone else does to me. 
I want to be defined by my responses, good or bad, and who I am. So I had enough um, life experience to know that I didn't want to go through that by myself, nor should I, and that I was not going to be shamed by it. Number one, that healthy, that to me is a healthy choice. Some people might think, oh my God, you put that on social media, which I did. Um, <laughs> I did. After, uh, I waited a day because I was only going to share it with my family, but then I thought, eh, you know what? Maybe this will help other people see that life isn't perfect and what we do about it. Um, it also had the benefit, which I wasn't really expecting, of an incredible amount of additional support for me. So that's day number one. Now, sometimes that cycle of the denial will last a lot longer because you're not sure. Well, I was absolutely sure. And so the denial was short-lived. The shock was one day. Um, I've been in relationships before where this shock was about a, a year, i.e. my marriage was about a year. Maybe, maybe not a full year, but it seems like it. Um, second stage for me was then anger. Now, I've been angry before. Uh, I've railed at the injustice. I've, you know, argued and fought and, you know, been, been truly angry. This was an anger that was more of a sad anger, a disappointed anger, a frustrated anger. It wasn't, there was no irritation involved in this. This, this is because I knew the person and that what happened um, I didn't know why, how, when, or what, but I knew that because I knew the person so well that they weren't going to be happy that this happened ultimately, that they, that they knew that they were, they had failed, um, to treat me with dignity and respect. Um, so for me, again, this is comparing it to my younger self, which would have, Oh my God, I would have been so much more focused on what did I do and what did I do wrong in my own personal weaknesses and failures um, that I would have, and I would have tried to excuse the conduct of, of the other person that clearly had done something. I mean, let, let's make this clear. This was something that was clearly done uh, by another person in a, in a love, very loving, you know, non-confrontational relationship. Uh, so I, uh, I didn't do that. I, again, I guess that's a big difference between the younger and the older me is that the younger me would have self, self-blamed, self-focused, self-tortured myself uh, completely before moving on to the next stage of my loss. Well, here, it didn't happen much. Um, and it's not because I'm stuck up. Uh, and don't bear my own responsibilities because I see it. I, I work too much. Let me just say that. For being in a relationship, I work too much. I'm not available enough. I work a lot. It's gotten worse as I've gotten older instead of better. I, I, am, I, I take full responsibility for that. Uh, but there's still a better way to end a relationship. Or decide if you even want to end a relationship, i.e. talk about it or let the other person have a clue first before you move on. So uh, the phase two, which was uh, uh, anger, was not even a full day. I just couldn't be angry at him. Um, 
I, I, I know that it was the intentionality wasn't really there so much as more kind of, I don't want to say stupidity because that's not a good word. Um, reactionary, not well thought out behavior, but not meant to be cruel or to hurt. But that, even though if that was a consequence. So my anger was very limited. <clears throat> I would say that's in general, that's pretty more typical with me. I'm generally not a very angry person. Um, even when someone has done something terrible, I'm more willing to take some blame for it, even if I didn't do anything. Um, but I'm willing to look at why it happened because I don't date terrible people. They're, they're good people. So if they did something, it's not because they're a quote unquote bad person. It's because maybe they had a moment of weakness or just temporarily lost their minds. Which then brings us on to phase number three, which is the grief, the loss, the sorrow, the sadness. That's always the longest sec session for me. Um, and, it, and it is stomach turning. It pops up. There's anxiety related to it. Um, and that's where you can get bogged down, in my opinion, for me personally, uh, with not being able to focus. But... I never was not able to focus. And this isn't someone I didn't care about. And it wasn't like a shorter term relationship. It was a longer term relationship. Um, I will tell you that when my marriage broke up, which of course was the biggest challenge of my life, not only was I able to focus, I was able to fiercely focus because I hung on to my job as a focus point so that I wouldn't just become paralyzed. It's the opposite for me. Some of my most um, creative moments ever have been <laughs> when I'm in a terrible situation. I wrote litigating um, minor soft impact tissue cases for AAJ and Thompson Reuters with Michael Freeman when I was getting divorced, I would just do it at night because I couldn't sleep for months until that thing was, was written. So here we are again, many decades late, 20 years after my divorce. This is the longest relationship I've had since I've been divorced. Um, and the list of things for me to do is so long at work if I couldn't focus, I don't think I would be, I don't think I would be where I am today if I couldn't focus through tragedy. Um, because you don't have the luxury of stepping aside and just taking time off so you can grieve for months or however long it takes. Um, I grieve when I'm not working. I grieve at night. I grieve in between moments. It's there and it comes out. And let me talk about that. I think what's really dangerous is the person that can put it away up on the cabinet shelf and close the door and then never revisit it, especially when you're still going through the process of loss and all the cycles that we know about before you come to acceptance. I can't do that. I would explode inside. I would, I would, I would be a stunted human being if I could not feel the loss. And I want to feel it. I want to feel 
the full horror of it. <laughs> you know, my right now, like there's a rock in my throat when I say this, if you're wondering why I sound so funny, because if as soon as I open the door to let it out, it's just there. And I want to feel it. You only know how much you were in love with someone uh, or how much you love them or how important they were in your life if you can actually allow yourself to feel the emotion that goes along with that. So I don't want to have a short loss cycle for the convenience of work. I don't want to be able to use my powers, (laughs) my special powers of um, segmenting um, things filing them away so that I can avoid having to feel them. No, I want to feel the whole thing. And I do it super intensely, super, because I just let it happen. I want to feel it. I want to feel the pain. This is the same for a breakup as it is for losing a case. If I lose a case, I do the same thing. It's like a breakup. I have dis, but it's my, I feel it's my fault. Even if I can know in my heart that it may not be my fault, I'm going to feel like it's my fault. How do you get past that? How as a trial lawyer, do you get back up? Well, you got to feel it. First of all, you got to feel it in all of its horrible glory because it is human experience. It's human emotion. If you only feel good, you don't know what bad is. You never know how good is unless you can feel the bad and vice versa. I want to feel that whole range of it. So it's a matter of timing for me. It's not a matter if I'm going to feel it. I'm going to feel it. I want to feel it. I want to experience it. That's how I process. I feel that lawyers and trial lawyers in general have this thing about vulnerability and how important it is to be vulnerable. And you, you hear them say it in all these, you know, conventions or trial, you know, colleges. Oh, it's so important to be vulnerable. But what is real vulnerability? It's not talking about it or practicing it or showing it to other people of how you do it. It's just being open to being hurt being open to being publicly humiliated and shamed, if that's what it comes to. Just keeping what's inside, not inside, and letting other people know that you're no better than them because you go through the same things that they go through with, as you do. Yes, I had a breakup, as do thousands of people every day in this world. Some people probably handle it way better than I do. This is just my way. What's unacceptable as a trial lawyer is for your personal stuff to ever interfere with your client's stuff. So it's not optional for me to carry my own pain as a priority in work. When I was younger, maybe it still is said to this day, but, and not that much younger, uh, it used to be said, not just by men, but women, that women can't be in leader positions, leadership positions because they have hormonal issues. Oh my God. 
The people still say that to this day, like women are weaker than men because they have hormonal issues. Are you freaking kidding me? Our hormonal issues, whatever those are, are our issues. And they've never impacted me. I don't see them impact other people. What are you talking about? Oh, when you have your period, you can't think clearly. Oh, if you have a child, you know, you're really focused on the child. You know what? That is such ignorant speak. In my opinion, my personal opinion, the female of the species is more deadly than the male. That's what I posted instead of my bio under my high school graduation photo. I truly believe that. I truly believe that you can pit me next to a guy and I'm going to be stronger than them emotionally. You know why? Because that's what I think. <laughs> I don't have any empirical evidence about that. But I don't put away my emotions. I don't segment out my life and just leave it segmented. It's all there, swirling around. I have felt pain fully. I want to. And that makes you stronger. We can do it. And we do do it every day by putting our clients and our causes first and then going home and crying ourselves to sleep at night over and out.